Well, good morning. It's wonderful to be with you guys this, this uh, weekend. We've had a great time. And um, it's not every day you go to someone's house and he says, this afternoon I just killed a buck. And it's hanging in my garage. I said, wow, we're in, we're in, in America. <laughs> uh, you know, pastor asked me this, uh, this week, he said, would you kind of bring a word to the church? So I, I really do want to bring you some, a thought that God gave me for your church. Uh, as we, you know, we're going into a new decade in, in the next uh, few months. And uh, it's pretty amazing, eh, how time just keeps going and uh, you get older. It's just it's terrible getting older, but it's all good. Um, and then maybe tonight do a lot more prophetic ministry, just uh, go with the flow and just try to minister to as many people as we can. Uh, I want to I share a word with you. Uh, you know, it's, how many know next year is 2020, right? And they always say 2020 is perfect vision, right? You've got perfect vision. And uh, so I don't want to be, you know, pos- uh, you know, just kind of take a, uh, a thought from that. But I do believe that the Lord spoke to me that this is going to be a year of clarity for the church. And uh, I'm not one of these prophets that comes in and says, I have a word. And, uh, you know, I go around preaching that word. But I do believe the Lord spoke to me and said, this year, I, th- I really believe that as we walk into 2020, it's going to be a year for the church to come into clarity. And to come into a real understanding of what discernment is, what it means to perceive, what it means to uh, walk with an understanding of revelation in your heart. Amen? And so I want to give you, uh, I'm going to break it up into three thoughts. The definition of clarity, and then we'll just kind of unpack it as we see it in the Word. So the definition for clarity, it means clearness or lucidity as to perception or understanding. In other words, God wants to give us all this clarity of understanding. Listen to the scripture in 1 Chronicles 12, verse 32. It says, The sons of Iskar, who had an understanding of the times, to know what Israel was, was to do. And so it is important that we have people who are in the body of Christ, hopefully everybody in the body of Christ, who understands, hey, what, what's God doing now? Where is God moving? Now, I'm not an end times guy. I, 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 I don't, I don't uh, you know, subscribe to the whole end times thing. I know Jesus is coming back. Amen? We believe that. But Jesus is coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Amen? He's coming back for a, a body of believers who are on fire, moving in God, passionate for the kingdom of God. Can I hear an amen to that? And so it's important that we distinguish ourselves in a way that marks us as believers, amen? That we're not just just like everybody else, but we are different. Come on, say we're different. Come on, being different is okay. And it's, it's what's going to mark the church, I believe, in the 20, uh, 2020, is a group of people who have a revelation of the greatness of God in their life that sets them apart from everybody else. Have you noticed that the world is trying to get you into its mold? Get you to think a certain way? Get you to live a certain way? Get you to accept everything that is not really acceptable? But God wants us to be different. Daniel 1.20 says, In all matters, listen to this, In all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better. Ten times better than all the magicians and the astrologers who are in the realm. See, I believe people who operate from a place of revelation, uh, I, I believe that's going to distinguish the church. Daniel 
was a young man when he went into, into captivity. He went into a place called Babylon. He went into a place called chaos. How many know we're living in a chaotic world? And he set himself apart to be different, to walk with clarity, to walk with a revelation that when he was examined, the reality was they said, man, this kid's 10 times better than everybody else. Let it be said of the church that we are 10 times better than everything else. Now, I don't, I don't think it means that we have to be the richest. We have to be the uh, best looking, although some of us are really good looking. Um, I'll let you determine who that is in this crowd. Um, but the reality is, is the church should operate with revelation and understanding that we walk with clarity. We walk with peace. We walk with grace in our steps. That when the world is frustrated, confused, chaotic, there's a group of people who are living in peace, who are living in strength, who are living in wisdom, and are building themselves not on what the world has to say, but on the revelation of Almighty God. Come on, can I hear an amen? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this moment. Thank you for this great church and great people. Lord, I, I just thank you for all ages in this room right now. I pray from the littlest to the oldest. Lord, open our spirit, open our heart to hear and to see what you would say to us for this coming decade, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. See, I believe the people who hear from God and live according to biblical revelation are going to be the greatest asset to the kingdom of God and the world. You know, as I travel the world, I I meet uh, people from all different sectors of society. And one thing I've come to the conclusion is they're all looking for wisdom. Doesn't matter how successful they are, they're looking for God to speak to them. I've sat with people who are very, very wealthy. I mean, billionaires, and they'll sit there and they'll say, uh, "Can you tell me what God is saying? Like, I need this." And 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 I, I would say, "Hey, I'm not a fortune teller. I can't tell your fortune, but I'll just give you what God gives me." And I'm amazed. That, I mean, it's to me, it seems like a simple thought. And they'll look at me and go, "That's it." That's, that's what I've been praying for. That's the revelation. And out of it, they'll take that and they'll begin to implement it. And then I hear reports. They come back to me and say, that thing changed this part of my business. This changed part of my family. This changed. Why? Because it was revelation. Come on, revelation will change your life. Amen? And so, you know, listen, some things cannot be perceived without revelation and insight from God. And so I believe we need to build our lives on revelation. Can I hear an amen to that? No, the Bible says this. It says uh, in Matthew 6, if you remember this story, Matthew 6, 13 to 19, Jesus was asking his disciples, he said, like, who do men say that I am? And they say, well, some say you're John the Baptist, you're the reformer. Some say you're Isaiah the prophet, some say, or Jeremiah. Some say you're, like, you know, you're Ezekiel or, or uh, I forget what it was, uh, Elijah the prophet. And, and, you know, that's good. That's what men say we are. And then he goes, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter stands up and he says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus says, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed that to, me, to you, but my father, which is in heaven. In other words, that came by revelation. And then he says this, I will, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. In other words, what he's saying is this, is that if we will build our lives on revelation, 
the gates of hell will not prevail. What I found in my life, every revelation, every point of clarity that has come to my life about who I am, who God says I am, what God says he's going to do in my life, that revelation cannot, listen, the gates of hell cannot stand against that. When I walk in it, when I love it, when I, when I embrace the revelation that God's given me. Every time I've had a revelation of God's love, every time I've had a revelation of God's grace, every time I've had a revelation of God's character, God's for, uh, for, uh, forgiveness, God's um, supply, I walk with a confidence in it. Nothing, nothing that the enemy tries to put at me can shake me off that revelation because it's personal. And listen, revelation is never powerful until it's personal it's never powerful until it's personal I can tell you there was a moment in my life I I had just come off staff of a of, of our church being on staff for 16 years trying to figure out my life and uh you know just kind of waiting on God I was at I actually went out to Bethel in Redding California and I was just in their prayer room and I was just praying. I had my headset on. And I was just praying and just kind of seeking the Lord. There's maybe one other guy laid out on the floor. I think he was sleeping. But anyways, they were laying out there. And we're just kind of, we're just, it's just me and him in this prayer room. And uh, I, I saw, there was actually three. And the third guy got up and he began to walk out. And as he walked out, there was this little box. And, uh, and so he opened the little box and there were little communion, you know, little wafers and the the thing that you can't open. You ever try to open those ones? And uh, so anyways, he takes communion. So I look at him, I go, man, I haven't had communion in a while. I'm going to take communion. So I walk over and I open the communion and I just stand there and I said, you know, Jesus, you said as often as we do this, we remember you. And I just said, I remember you. Just like that. And in that moment, Jesus walked in the room. He looked like Pastor Penn. Not really. But he walked in. Have you ever, uh, you ever worked with anybody or been in somebody's life? Come here, honey. Come here, I'm going to use you an illustration. I worked with a guy, and um, this is my lovely wife, by the way. I worked with a guy, and every time he talked to me, he was like this. <laughs> and so I would do this, and he would lean his face right into me like that. And I, I just was at another church last week, and I was sharing just this part, and one of the guys there worked with the same guy. And he's like, that's right, he did that. He had no awareness of personal space. Like, tic-tac, please, have a tic-tac. Thank you, honey. But in this moment, listen, in this revelation moment, Jesus was like that in my face. And in that moment, he just said this to me. He said two words to me. Two phrases, two, two thoughts. He said, Gary, I love you. And I will never stop loving you. Now, in that moment, like, I, I, I'd known God loved me. I, I'd known Jesus loved me. But in that moment, it was like oil that just came into my soul and put a security in my soul that was life-changing. In that moment. That was seven years ago, almost eight years ago. And that security has never left me, even when I was lying in CCU, uh, struggling with a heart attack, that never left me. The second thing he said was, I'm in control 
of your life. Never forget that. Now, folks, that was a revelation. And that has stayed with me for that eight, almost eight years now. And I can tell you that anything that hell will throw at me cannot shake that revelation from my life. Now, listen, all of us, we have to get a clarity in our spirit as to whose we are, what God wants for us, what God wants us to accomplish in our life, what God, want, what God has spoken to us about who we are and what he is to us and all of the things that relate to what the scriptures say, we need to have that revelation and a clarity in it so that when the world comes knocking, when the world says this, we are not shaken, the gates of hell cannot prevail because it's a people that are distinguished by God's grace and God's power. Amen? So clarity is so important, and we've got to build our lives. See, every revelation you receive, listen, the gates of hell cannot stand against it. I'm telling you right now, every revelation, personal revelation that I have received and made it personal in my heart, the gates of hell cannot stand. When God speaks a word into my spirit, so we're talking about prophecy this weekend, I have lived my life. Honestly, I've lived it by the word of God and I've lived it by the, the spoken prophetic word. Every time I step into a prophetic word, when God speaks to me, it's a witness in my soul. And, and there's, you know, this just confirmation after confirmation. When I embrace it and start walking it out, listen, doesn't matter what's going on. That thing is going to get fulfilled in my life. I'm confident of it. I'm confident because like we said, he's a way maker. Come on. Do we believe that? That God can make a way. You see, is he a way maker in your life? You see, if you believe that revelation, it doesn't matter what, what you're facing. Hey, he's a way maker. He's going to make a way. I don't know how he's going to do it. I, have you ever been in those situations where you just think, oh, God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but you better come through because you said you're a way maker. I've been in those situations where it looks like all oh, hell's breaking loose, and I'm thinking, God, how are you going to do this? And then God, in the, he's never early. But he's on his time, and he always comes through. I can remember in Bible college, I was, I was uh, in my last semester of Bible college, and uh, I had three months of school left. I was just a young kid. I, I mean, I just got saved, you know, and uh, I was in Bible college, and, and I wasn't the wisest kid with my money back then, and, and I needed $1,850. Now, that's still a lot of money today, but back in the 80s, that was a lot of money. It's like a million bucks. And so for a young Bible college student, so I didn't have the money. But I was up at the altar one night on a Sunday night. I was just crying out to God. And God spoke to me three things that night. He said, I had a job offer, and it was in a place called Tilsonburg. And so God said, take the job. I was semi Almost, well, I was. I was engaged to a girl, and God said, Gary, you need to break that relationship off. And then he said, go back to Bible college. I'll provide. And so I took the job. I broke up with the girl. And then I, I, I spent another week at this church, and then I was at home on Sunday night. I'm ready to go back to Bible college on Sunday night. And um, my mom said, like, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. I said, I'm just going to go up to my mailbox. Uh, God told me he was going to provide. I'll go into my mailbox, and there'll be money there. And if there isn't any money there, I didn't hear from God. And so, but I had a revelation. 
He'd spoken to me. So my mom walked out of the room. And my dad and I were talking. And she came back in the room with an envelope with $1,850 cash. And she said, Gary, the craziest thing, on Monday morning, after the Sunday night, on Monday morning, she said, people started calling me, saying, hey, this morning, God spoke to me. I've got to give Gary some money for Bible college. Can I bring it over? And within that week, $1,850 came in, and I walked in, and I paid the bill. Now, listen, that was a revelation. Now, I have never, listen, I have never let that revelation that God is the God of supply ever leave my life. Doesn't matter what, I've had some other situations where I've needed a lot, of more, a lot more money than that. And, and I just know, God, the gates of hell cannot prevail against that revelation. You're the, you're the great supply. Come on, is he not the great supply? Hey, listen, you might be facing some issues. Come on, let's believe God that God can give you a revelation that maybe you're already seated in revelation. You just haven't activated your faith in that revelation to believe that God can bring clarity to your circumstance. Come on. He can bring clarity to your circumstance. Here's another one. This is the second part of the definition of clarity. It means freedom from indis indistinctness or ambiguity. In other words, the quality of being not alike or uh, being distinct or different from, the, uh, from that otherwise experience. You know, the reality is, I, I, I want to tell you this. There's nothing wrong with being different. The church has to be different. The church, church just can't be this ambiguous thing. We have to be different. We can't be just like everybody else. We, you know, listen, Daniel... In the book of Daniel, the Bible says that Daniel, he basically, they set him into, uh, they brought him into Babylon. They changed his hair. They changed his clothes. They changed his language. They changed his name. They changed his eating habits. They changed the way he dressed. They started to try to change the way he thought. And yet the Bible says in Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 that David purposed in his heart, Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself. He said, hey, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be, I'm going to be who God called me to be. And what, what, what did I just read you? At the end of that study, at the end of that challenge, after three years, three and a half years, the king examined and said, this kid is ten times better. Him and his buddies are ten times better. You see, I believe people are looking for the real thing. Amen, Gary. That's a good point. They are looking for the real thing. See, I don't believe that, that God wants the church to just be like the world. I, 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 you know, we, we, I, again, because we travel, we see so much. And we see so many, you know, just trying to, we're trying to reach the world with worldly things instead of setting before them the reality of God's kingdom the reality of God's presence, that when they walk in, they recognize immediately, this is, something's different. Where they're actually, you know, when I, when I take off my glasses, uh, you're all a little blurry, just to be honest. That's why I'm trying to squint. Like, I really can't see you that clearly. When I put my glasses on, whoa, there's some good looking people out here. You see, this is how the world's, they're walking around like this. 
Everybody's walking around just trying to see everything. They're blurry. They're, they're not seeing it. And so when you come into Christ, you come into revelation, all of a sudden there's a clarity in your spirit. There's a clarity in your soul. It's like we taught the other day when you're, when you're uh, operating in the prophetic, what we want to try to do is we want to try actually really to bring clarity to people's situations. I believe the prophetic culture of a church and, and what God wants to do actually in this next decade is raise up a, a company of people who walk with such clarity that when someone comes in, the word of the Lord can come to them. They can speak a word into them and dislodge them from their hindrances, dislodge them from the things that are in their life, bring clarity to their understanding, bring clarity to their perspective that all of a sudden they go, wow, that's exactly what I needed. And yes, it comes through teaching, but listen, it's got to come from your spirit. It's got to come from your heart. Um, I'm not a big movie watcher, but I've watched this movie a number of times because my wife watches it, and so I have to watch it with her. It's like the Christmas movies, right, the Hallmark movies, you know. Uh, fortunately, we have two TVs, and I can get away from that. But there's a movie called What a Girl Wants. Does anybody remember that movie? Okay. Maybe I'm dating myself. But he says this, he's the, the young guy who's kind of dating this girl, um, I'm not going to tell you the premise of the movie, watch the movie, but he makes this statement. He says, why are you trying to fit in when you are destined to stand out? Why are you trying to fit in when you are destined to stand out? Let's not be a people that just fits in to what the culture says, but let's actually be a people that will stand out, right? You see, listen. God promised Abraham that he would make him a great nation and he would make him a great name. Now listen, if I read my Bible right, we're part of that Abrahamic covenant, right? And God calls greatness into our lives. It's not greatness as the world would define because if you re remember in Matthew, Jesus said, look, the world says this. This is how the world defines greatness. They lord it over you. They're more powerful. They want position. But greatness is in your ability to serve. And so Jesus redefines greatness and he calls all of us to serve and to love and to care. And that's how we become great. But listen, God wants all of us to be great. Can I hear an amen to that? Like, he actually wants us to distinguish ourselves. Listen to what the word... Now, there's a definition within the definition, okay? So there's a new definition here. Great means, listen, to be distinguished. The quality or state of being skilled in a particular area. The quality. What marked Daniel was that he had the ability to understand dreams and visions. He was connected to the one of revelation. And so when the king needed revelation, he could tap Daniel because Daniel was skilled. He was great in the ability to hear God. Listen, let it be said of the church that we are great in the ability to hear God. Remember what I said yesterday? God doesn't want weirdness. He just wants normal people who hear him and who function in obedience to him, and who have the answers that the world is looking for. You see, God calls everyone in this room to be great, to be above average. That's what mean, it means, to be above average people. How many above average people do we have? Listen, I don't want to be just average. Like, before I got saved, I was actually below average. I wasn't even, even average. I was below average. But when I got saved, God began to speak into my heart. Come on, Gary, you're better than that. Come on, you can do things for me. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to anoint you. I'm going to pour my spirit into you. When I was a kid, I used to walk like this. Literally, I always walk with my head down. 
because that's who I was. I, I, that's that's, that's the, the, the thing that was on my heart, the shame that was on my life. And then I got saved, and all of a sudden, the world, be, I started looking up. I started believing that God could do something with my life. And then the word of the Lord came to me and said, hey, you're going to do this, this, and this. And I went, okay, the revelation took hold of my life. And then God began to show me who he is. Come on, has God done that for you? You see, that's what it's all about is all of us walking into clarity. You see, he calls us to be excellent and distinguished people, people who are skilled in particular areas. Whereas you walk into a, into a building, all of a sudden, it's like you're, right, you're the right person at the right time. Come on, have you ever felt that? When all of a sudden things just kind of intersect and you're just at the right moment at the right time. It's like, you know, when I, when I was prophesying over this doctor and he walks out of the room and then I start having my heart attack and at the next, next moment, he's the guy that walks right in. He was at the right time. He was in the right place. He, I, listen, you need somebody who's skilled in that way, right? You need a guy who says, okay, it's not just that, uh, you know, chili you had last night. You're having a problem here. Let's go. Boom. That's what you want. You want skilled people. Listen, that's what God's looking for. He's looking for some people who hear his voice, who can walk into a situation and discern immediately, perceive in their heart, this is what needs to happen. And God speaks to you. Come on, can we believe that God can speak to us? Come on, there's just one of us. Come on, can you believe God wants to speak to you? You see, my prayer is that this year, 2020, as you walk into 2020, walk out of 2019. Listen, 2019 may be in a, a bad year, maybe a, a foggy year. But let's believe that next year, God's going to give you 2020 vision. You're going to walk with such clarity. You see, everyone has been given the same opportunity. The Bible says we all have received a call. All a call, but, but few are chosen. Right? We all have potential. See, your potential is God's gift to you. And what you do with it is what you give back to God. Your ability, our ability to manage our life, to, to determine how we walk in the revelation that, that God gives us determines the greatness of our life. You see, if, if I've had a revelation, so I had a revelation that I was, uh, I was to serve God. And so when I had that revelation, everything I did or everything I've tried to do has been to serve, serve God. God wants you to be great. Daniel, listen, he could have decided, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. I'm stuck in Babylon. My life is, my life is gone. See, he was a noble, right? He was one of the nobles, so he's probably living in a good life. And he went from a place of Judah, the place of praise, to a place of chaos. Sometimes we wonder, why am I in this situation? It's because God's looking for you to distinguish yourself, where you hear his voice, and in the midst of confusion and chaos, you become ten times better than everybody else. Sometimes I've asked myself, Lord, why am I in this situation? Would you get me out of this situation? And God says, I put you in the situation so that you can develop the quality or release what's in you to change that situation. He was a young man who had been taken captive by a crazy man. Look, this guy was crazy, right? Nebuchadnezzar, that guy was nuts. He was, he was, a, he was a crazy guy. He asked him to change the way he dressed. He ate, spoke, all of those things. Now listen to what it says in Daniel chapter 6. You see, Daniel 
did not squander what God had given him. Listen to what he says. This Daniel distinguished himself above the three governors and the 120 satraps because of an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to found some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault find, found in him. Listen, God wants us to distinguish ourselves. Can I hear an amen to that? Listen, would, would you say in your spirit this year, as you walk into this year, this is going to be a year where I'm going to distinguish myself. I'm going to set myself apart. I'm going to be different than just the norm. I'm going to be different than just all of my friends. I am going to be different. I'm going to be a young man, a young woman, an old man, an old, old woman, or maybe a young woman. We'll call it, just leave it at that. Uh, and I'm going to be a person who hears God and walks according to revelation, walks according to God's voice. And as I walk it out, I'm going to be different. I'm not going to be just like everybody else. When I report for duty at work, I'm going to come in five minutes early because that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to honor what God's doing in my life. I'm going to give my best eight hours of the day. Amen, Gary. Good point. Here's, here's, the, third, here's the third part of the definition, all right? Listen, it means the state or quality of being clear or transparent to the eye. So clarity means that your eyes are clear. You're able to see. You're able to look. Listen to this scripture. Isaiah 6, verse 9 to 10, it says, And he said, Go tell this people, Keep on hearing and do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and, their, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and with, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return and be healed. Now, if I read that scripture right, when we have clarity, when we have the ability to hear God correctly, and our hearts are in tune with God, we get healed. Could it be that all the people that we work with, that we see every day, they're, they're, they can't see, therefore they can't be healed? But if people who can see can actually show them what healing looks like, and all of a sudden we model something that becomes so attractive to them that they say, I have to, I have to get my ears and my eyes open so that my heart can be healed. See, the, place, the church should be a place of healing. People who walk in clarity, they come to their senses, they return to the right places, and they receive healing for their lives. I love what uh, the scripture says in Proverbs 29, 18. It says this, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. The people cast off restraint. The people cast off restraint. People who have no revelation for their life. They have no insight of what God wants to do. They're just living their lives. They're just kind of going through the motions. But people who live by revelation there's a, there's a restraining that comes on you. There's something, there's a yoking that comes on your life. All of a sudden, you're living according to purpose. You're living according to vision. Helen Keller said this. Listen to what she said. She said, um, she said, oh, where is it? Come on, Gary. The only thing worse than being blind is having no sight, having vision, but no sight. Having vision, but no sight. 
So in other words, you, you, you can see, but you can't see. Do you remember the story in the Bible where, um, yeah, I think it's Elisha. I always get those two guys mixed up. Elisha is, the, they're, they're bound up in the city. Elijah's been telling the king's secrets. Is it Elisha or Elijah? Elisha, okay. He's telling the king's secrets. So the king sends an army, the Syrian army, and they're all around him. And the, and the servant gets up in the morning, and he's freaking out. He's like, we're going to die. We're surrounded. And, like, I'm, I'm just going to put myself in that picture, okay? So Elijah, Elisha's like, oh, what's up? Servant's going crazy, right? You don't understand. This is what's happening. Uh, he goes, oh, okay. Like, there's more for us than against us. Servant's like, what? He goes, Lord, open his eyes that he can see. And immediately the guy's eyes open. And he goes, where'd they come from? The hosts of the armies of God are around them. They were there all the time. He just didn't have the eyes to see. Come on, there's things that are in your life. They're right there all the time, but you don't have the eyes to see. God wants to open our eyes. You see, vision is the ability to see into the future. And having foresight into a thing. Vision is the ability of a group of God's people who sense something, what God is doing, perceive by the Holy Spirit that God is taking them in a direction. And all together, collectively, they walk in that direction. See, if I don't change my perspective, I'll never discover the reality of his kingdom and his dominion in the earth. I believe this. What I perceive, I can begin to conceive. When I see what's before me, it can begin to be birthed into my spirit, and eventually it gets manifested in my life. Listen, nothing that's manifested in your life, nothing just starts by chance. It has to be conceived in your spirit. It has to come from some kind of revelation. You can't just make something happen. It actually comes by revelation in your spirit. So actually, faith is actually, listen, it's the holding on to something that is going to be manifest. I'm believing for things right now that have yet to be manifested, but they're already there. They're already in my heart. They just haven't manifested yet. But I'm already seeing them into the future. Come on, are you seeing things for your future? Do you believe that next year can be your greatest year? As a church, as a people, as a family, that God can actually take some things that right now seem impossible to you, but give you a revelation that this year God's going to advance you, and all of a sudden, in your spirit, you begin to believe that. It becomes to be manifested. Listen, your ability to perceive and act on your perception will set you up for miracles. In 2 Kings, you can look at it another time. In 2 Kings chapter 4, it's the story of the Shunammite woman. And the Shunammite woman, the story, the back story is she has no kids. She can't have any children. Maybe her husband was a little older than her, but she couldn't have any children. The Bible says Elisha was walking through. And she said, I perceive him to be a holy man of God. And in her perception, she acted upon it. She began to bring him into her house. And then she did an incredible thing. She actually built a place for him to stay. So whenever he came into town, boom, he came in. 
And then one day, Elisha says, hey, this woman's done so much for me. What does she need? And his servant said, well, she doesn't have a kid. And the prophet said, okay, this time next year, you're going to have a baby. She said, well, you know, come on, please, don't, don't get my heart up here. He goes, no, 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 this time next year. And sure enough, she had a miraculous, come on, intervention. See, she, she, because of her perception, because she recognized that this man had a touch of God on his life, uh, and she began to act on it, all of a sudden, that set her up for a miracle. Not only just a miracle of divine birth, but listen, a few years later, maybe when the kid was maybe 8, 9, 10 years old, he goes out in the field, and he has a brain aneurysm, sounds to me, and he dies. And so she goes in faith, and, she's, and the prophet, uh, she gets to the prophet, and the prophet says, how's it going? She goes, it is well with my soul. Her son had just died. And then she clings to his feet, and he goes, okay, God hasn't revealed this to me. And then she says, hey, the kid you promised, that you prophesied, is now dead. He says, well, just go home, and it'll be okay. And she goes, no, I'm not leaving until you come with me. And what happened? She had a divine resurrection. Come on, she had a divine resurrection. Listen, Jesus said this. If you receive a prophet, you get a prophet's reward, right? I've, I've often asked myself, what's a prophet's reward? Because, you know, they call me a prophet, so what's, my, what's a reward? Well, I believe a prophet's reward is not only just hearing from God, but listen, it's divine miracles. Come on, it's a divine miracle. It's divine restoration, rec, uh, re, uh, pardon me, resurrection. Uh, if you go back, if you just keep reading her story, she has a point where the prophet says to her, he says, hey, there's going to be a famine in the land. You need to leave. And so what's that? Divine protection. And then she comes back. Seven years later, she's lost everything. She's lost all her goods, all her land, everything. And she's just coming before the king. And the servant is telling the king. Now, this is not like just a coincidence, folks. This is based on the fact that, listen, this lady has lived her life in Revelation. And she's walking into the king, and the prophet's the servant is talking to the king about, hey, the prophet, um, you know, raised this uh, young man to the to um, he, this prophet raised this young man from the dead, and the woman standing there goes, King, that's the woman, and that's the boy, and the king says, what do you need? And the Bible says he restored everything. Listen, there's also divine restoration. So what you perceive, you're going to conceive. Listen, if you live in Revelation, God's going to do it. Come on, can I hear an amen? John 4, 19. The woman at the well, she said, I perceive you to be a prophet. What did Jesus do? He prophesied. Okay. The husband you're with is not the one you're with. You've been five husbands, da, da, da. And she goes, he told me everything. He only told her one thing. But to her, it was her everything. Come on, folks. Your ability to see in the spirit is going to be crucial. Now, I want to finish quickly and give you five things. Number one, listen, five what I call I instructions. This is just from scripture. I'm just going to read scripture to you. Number one, would you say this with me? Lift up your eyes. Listen, that's what the scripture says. Look, it says, And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separate, Lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are. Psalm 121, lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Listen, could you say lift up my eyes? You got to lift your eyes. You got you to begin to look. 
Listen, there's land that God wants you to have. There's places that God wants you to have. There's nations that God wants you to have. There's things that God wants you to come into, but you got to lift your eyes up. you gotta, you got to intentionally lift your eyes. Come on, lift your eyes. Everybody lift your eyes. He says, look up. Look at number two. Guard your eyes. Psalm 101, verse 3. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate, I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. Job 31, 1. I have made a covenant with my eyes. Listen, you got to guard your eyes. you got to guard what you're watching. you got to guard what you're looking at. You know, don't, don't let your eyes wander. Don't let your eyes begin to look at something so, oh, I, I think that's going to happen to me. No, no, no. Keep your eyes focused on God. Keep your eyes in, in the word of God. Keep your eyes on the right thing. Come on, keep your eyes on the prize. Say, guard my eyes. Come on, young people, let's say, guard my eyes. Here's another one. Turn your eyes. Say, turn your eyes. Listen to what it says, Psalm 119, verse 37. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. So we gotta turn. We gotta, we gotta pass away. We gotta, the actual idea of turn means to pass over. It means to just, just look over it. I'm not, I'm not even gonna look at that. I'm just gonna pass, pass over it. I'm gonna alienate. I'm gonna remove it. You see, worthless things are empty, emptiness, vanity, falsehood. Listen, you gotta, you gotta move your eyes away from some of that stuff. You know, I don't watch as much TV as I used to anymore. I still watch TV. But I don't watch as much as I used to. I, I'd sooner watch uh, worship videos on YouTube. And, and uh, you know, I spend a lot of time in my office just worshiping and, uh, you know, reading good books. And I just, I, just, I, I just refuse to keep my eyes on things that are not, they're just worthless. Come on, say turn your eyes. Here's another one. Two more, okay? Open your eyes. Say open your eyes. Listen. Psalm 119, verse 18, open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Come on, let that be the cry of our heart, eh? God, would you open my eyes that I may see the wondrous things in your law? That I would have such a revelation? Here's the last one. Fix your eyes. Say, fix your eyes. Hebrews 12, verse 2, fix your eyes on Jesus. Come on, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. This idea of fix means to turn your, the eyes away from other things and fix them on something, on Jesus. In other words, make him your preoccupation. Come on, church, let's 2020 be, Lord, you're my preoccupation. I'm going to fix my eyes on you. I'm, I'm going to cover my eyes with you, my hunger. You're going to become the object of my affection. The object of my affection, I want to I pray this prayer over you that Paul prayed in Ephesians. Listen to what he says. I'm going to read it in two different versions. First one is the New King James. Would you close your eyes right now? This is my prayer for you. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding 
greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places and now listen to the the passion translation Again, just keep your eyes closed. He says this, I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with the light uh, until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling that is the wealth of the glorious inheritances that he finds in us his holy ones i pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of god's power made available to you through faith then your lives will be an advertisement of his immense power as it works through you this is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. Father, I just thank you for this time. Lord, in, in my way, I just say, would you open our eyes to see you? Lord, would you bring us into greater revelation as we walk into this new season, new decade? Lord, that... We would have a greater clarity of ministry. We would have a greater clarity of purpose. We would have a greater uh, clarity of identity. Lord, that we would have a greater clarity of the circumstances that surround our lives. Lord, that we would have a greater clarity to the issues that we face, Lord, so that we would have wisdom and revelation and understanding, that we would, it would be said of us that we as a church and we as a people are 10 times better. Lord, that we're different, that we distinguish ourselves. Lord, we're, we have an excellent spirit that covers our life, that we walk with clarity, we walk with truth, we walk with, with uh, the anointing and revelation of God, that the gates of hell cannot stand against it. I want to just pray for anyone here this morning. Uh, if you're here today, I always do this, and I don't know who's visiting today, but if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, or you've walked away from the Lord and you're kind of backslidden and you need to come back to the Lord, I don't want to assume anything, but if you're here today, you were invited by a friend or you've been coming for the last couple of weeks and you'd like to invite Jesus into your heart, would you just quickly put up your hand? I want to pray with you and just ask the Lord to give you revelation of his good love and his great love for you. Is there anybody here today? All right, that's okay. I want to pray just one other prayer. If you would say with me, Gary, I, I, want, I want my eyes to be so clear. I want, I want to have revelation. I want to walk in revelation. Maybe there's some things right now you, you've already uh, kind of defined. Lord, I need revelation in this area. I need insight in this. I need clarity in this area. Come on, just stand to your feet right now. I just want to pray for you. Tonight, I, I'm, not, I'm just going to share Five minutes, and then we're just going to prophesy. I'm going to walk through the building and just prophesy over people, and maybe we'll get other people prophesying and just having a fun night. But I just felt like today, just to drop this thought in, into your heart, that can we believe that 2020, there'll be greater insight into your heart, greater revelation into your spirit, that you would walk with a holy perception, God is moving here. 
I, I sense that God is doing something here. I, I believe that God is doing. And then you would by faith. You know, listen, the Bible says uh, faith without works is dead. Another version says faith without a corresponding action is dead. And so every time we have faith, every, every time we believe that we're hearing from God, we have to have a corresponding action. We have to take steps. So, Father, I pray right now for every person that's standing. Lord, I just pray clarity. I pray, Lord, their heart, the eyes of their heart would be enlightened right now. The hunger of their heart, Lord, would, would be so... Uh, so desiring to see clearly, transparently, to know and to understand what you're doing in this time, right now, as we walk into this new decade of, of life, Lord, that we would have an understanding of the times. Lord, that we would not be shaken by what we see. We would not be shaken by what we hear in the natural or see in the natural or even uh, are told in the natural, Father. Lord, we believe the report of the Lord that you are building a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, Lord. You're, you're, you're advancing in the earth. You're, you're seeing people saved and uh, churches uh, planted and people, miracles happening, Father. We just pray for supernatural activity in our lives as we walk into this new year. I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen.